Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up that the audio is a little choppy for this first minute because we do record our intro outside of the movie theater before we go in to see the film. So just wanted to give you the heads up. The audio does get better after the first minute. I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. It was a really fun movie to uh, review. Uh, and so without further ado, The Farewell. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Rack and Focus podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle, and we're here at the AMC Theater in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania, to see The Farewell. I know almost nothing about this movie, have no expectations other than it was uh, distributed by A24, I believe, and they've been putting out amazing things. So I, I, I have no expectations. I'm genuinely just excited to see this movie. So can you tell me like, what your favorite kind of, or your favorite Asian piece of Asian cinema is? Uh, no, because there's not a whole lot of it, and it's nice that there's finally some, uh, like Americanized, ho- like Hollywood, not something, right. not like a Hong Kong film, right? Like, right. there's English, American, Asian films being made, Crazy Rich Asians in the last year, and now this. So, uh, I, I think I can answer that question for you in like two or three years, probably. Okay, that's great. I can say this about this particular film as it feels parallel in some ways. Uh, to Crazy Rich Asians, is, which is about sort of returning to uh-huh. some kind of cultural roots. Right. And that seems like a good place for this cinema in America to start. Yep. That, um, I, I'm a huge fan of all the kinds of film this isn't. So every kind of imaginable kung fu, gunfighting, whatever, yeah, yeah. samurai <laughs> film. So I'm anxious to see this much more thoughtful piece. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's go in and right. watch. Let's do it. You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. wrong dad please tell me your nan is dying she doesn't know so you can't say anything the family thinks it's better not to tell her why is that better chinese people have saying when people get cancer they die we have to go to china wedding is an excuse so everyone can see her he's my only cousin do you think i should be there you can't hide your emotions if you go nan will find out right away so here we are after uh, the farewell. I don't know where to start. I know, it's a lot to talk about. Um, so let's start with uh, the easy questions, right? What did you like? Uh, yeah, uh, okay, so there, there may be spoilers. Right, uh, there's, there's spoilers. There's really not a whole lot to spoil, but there are spoilers. Right, exactly. Um, It'd be better if you saw the film before hurting, hearing us talk. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did I like? I I really liked the whole movie. Okay. Good. <laughs> That's a good start. There's a but specifically uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me was the music. Yeah, it's like significantly the music. You uh, as soundtrack versus. Uh, oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Incidental yeah. music or soundtrack. Like uh, soundtrack. Yeah, a soundtrack. soundtrack. I agree completely. Um. 100% well to me at least 100% dictated the emotion that was um, just shared the emotion that that she was feeling even the words feeling. the text of uh-huh. it mm-hmm. was meaningful in the moment yeah even though it didn't appear meaningful in the space yeah yeah the music the music pretty much outrightly told you how they're feeling because it's just a lot of them looking I don't want to say mopey but like they are they're in they're in mourning they're they're grieving and it's pretty much one solemn face after another just not 
can't they can't believe what they're they're having to do for their their grandmother and uh, yeah so the music really kind of gives you insight into how they're feeling that way they don't have to I mean it, it this is what I picked up on at least was there's a line that was said in the beginning of the movie that said when uh, when you tell someone they have pretty much when you tell someone they have cancer they die right and instead of telling them, instead of telling their grandmother, the grandmother was full of life, the most lively person in the film. Indeed. Right? Because they didn't tell her that mm-hmm. she had cancer. Yet everybody else who didn't have cancer but knew the circumstance pretty much was dead on the, on the outside for the entirety of the film. Mm-hmm. So that, that, I mean, it's just the irony of the situation. So the music really helped me at least understand what everybody was feeling and even through to the credits right so the song yeah. under the credits mm-hmm. is an end piece that speaks very clearly to right. the emotional text of the film yeah i mean i thought the music was spectacular even yeah. the music inside the story so yeah. even when they were singing at right, the, the wedding the opera ceremony that was being, yeah, right, right and the, and the, the you know music, the yep. songs that they're singing uh, uh killing me softly uh-huh. with his, like perfect like yeah. perfect music choices um and that also i thought the incidental music was really interesting too because it was sparse and highly stylized mm-hmm. and so it allowed that other music to be really well heard so i yeah i agree with yeah. you 100 percent. yeah what else did you like uh, i thought that the uh, co- composition of the frames, frames. Yeah, was, was beautiful. absolutely beautiful yeah both the use of negative space in some of those environments or the uh-huh. and, or, or the choice on how to fill negative space yeah so, the, you know, there's that moment near the end where uh, the grandmother and the granddaughter, are, Billy, are, are speaking. Uh-huh. And in the background on the grandmother's side is the two brothers. And yeah. on the other side is her and her husband. Yeah. And they're, they're, those images are important for us to understand the history. That was the framing that stood out to me, too. Like but, you were talking about framing. Then those were the two the, shots. The images that, that were just beautiful. Yeah. Um, the, but the other framing, I would say, too, the, the other moment that just it blew me away like mm-hmm. framing that blew me away uh, it's when billy comes into the room and i don't i it's not the first time she's there she's coming into the meal uh-huh. and the grandmother turns around a nine i guess that yeah, she yeah. turns around to to look at her coming back from, from being the in the bathroom yes yeah and she turns around and she's dead center and she, she it looks like it's just slightly slowed down and she turns down mm-hmm. into the frame and so she's dead center forefront with the family around behind her. And then we rotate to that same central placed position Mm -hmm. with Billy now and grandmother's back and the family here in the foreground. And it was beautiful. The the framing on the walk uh, of the, each time someone was walking down the street with that main character center focus, Billy almost always center focus. And what was happening around that was they were startlingly beautiful frames. Yeah, over and over. The and cinematography over again. was astounding in in the film. Um, even I mean, just to it, the, the cinematography was beautiful. And if we just disregard what it even meant, right? Just the lighting in general, the yeah. the, the framing in general, everything was beautiful. But then when you plug it into the, the story, and what they are doing with the camera, that that adds to the story. The camera being another character in a way. Uh, you know, I take the framing, that negative space as, like, there's just all of this commotion, all of this, like, almost like weight around her and above them, like, on all on all sides at all times. There's always this weird negative space in some way in, in, in these emotional uh, shots. Um, and even with the, the framing we were talking about with the, the family on the wall behind them, um, this negative space that that family is still filling that... Mm-hmm. That space—it's always in the 
the background, it's always in, uh, you know, behind the scenes in their heads. Like they're always thinking about family. And they brought up, uh, the brother brought up the collectivist society versus the individualistic right. society, um, which I wasn't sure if they were going to touch on. It was something that crossed my mind early on in the film. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you want to expand on that at all um, from a philosophy standpoint, but yeah, like it was a good explanation of what they were doing and mm -hmm. how they were thinking about this whole thing for me. Yeah, I, I thought over and over again, we saw visual images mm -hmm. that were that were like paintings, right? Yeah. Like they were, they were beautifully designed. People moved in and out of shots. There were tons of images, like tons. There were many images where we had an empty screen, mm -hmm. either at the beginning or end of a sequence that, that mm -hmm. gave us a, a sense of place yeah. and a sense of this waiting, like mm -hmm. this painful waiting to decide to tell the truth or not, yeah. right? We're, it, it's funny because it's not a suspense film, right? No. But, but there is a, a suspense in the background. Will this someone- is, Yeah, will someone spill the beans, right? Will someone tell her? And uh, the, going back to that, the, those long shots, those long takes, I mean, in the cemetery, they kept oh. about, and it was humorous, right, when mm -hmm. they were doing it. But it's just it's painful sometimes too to to watch, and it made me think of uh, just classic um, Asian cinema in general. And I think of um, uh, he's Japanese though it's Ozu, um, who is uh, I think he did a Tokyo Story. Mm -hmm. I think of that one specifically because it's, man, that movie is so slow. And every shot is so long. Like people yeah. will come into frame, leave the room, and it'll hang on to that frame, and then they'll come back. And it's just this was this was like classic long shots Asian cinema at its best because it's it's actually helping with the story. Right. Right. It tells the story. That's right. Yeah. So uh, and there was a lot of symbolism that I I'm like this is symbolic. I don't know how. But I know it is. Well, I think that's when we're going to sit down again. Yeah. I think we're going to, those are the things we're going to talk mm -hmm. about or get into our head and look around and yeah. see what we find there's, out. There's a lot of stuff. Um, another thing I loved was, I, did, I loved seeing the culture shown in this film because China, I don't think like the only movie coming to my mind that really shows Chinese culture in my head. And as a kid growing up watching this movie was Mulan from Disney. <laughs> I can't think of another piece of, uh, of, of film that I've seen growing up or even just like recently. That's like, this is sharing the culture in a, um, in a way that actually connects with me. Right? Like it's one thing if I'm going to go and watch a Chinese or Japanese film and I'm seeing the actual culture take place there in those films, but I don't understand it because it's not relating to the American in me, right? So this movie does a really nice job keeping the American culture and the uh, Chinese culture mm -hmm. in some measure of clarity. Like we spend yeah. a lot of time comparing those cultures, even though yeah. the majority of the story is in Chinese. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about that yeah. too. Uh, just real real quickly, because there's two things I want to say. The culture thing was one thing, but before we move there, mm -hmm. one of the great risks in a movie that's composed as well as this is that subtitles draw an American eye away from it. Yeah. And those images were strong enough that those subtitles did not 
do that at all. I, right. I, it felt like I wanted to luxuriate in the images. But yeah. to back to culture real yeah. quick. Um, I think, so my wife and I just recently watched Crazy Rich Asians. Right. And this is almost the antithesis of Did that you enjoy film. it? Did you enjoy Crazy Rich so, Asians? So I enjoyed it fine. It is, I mean, it's a rom-com, right? right. Like, right. which is not my favorite not style thing. of film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there is, there are some things about it that I, I'm uncomfortable with, like as a, as a, as a being in the world, it right. could get a little, we're going to hear some noise we're potentially some in the background because it's raining. Um, and, uh, and, but, but aside from that, it's a very pleasurable movie. Like right. it's fun to watch, whatever. And, you know, we have an actress who trails in both and right. she's, in both, she's right, yeah. brilliant in that one okay. and a comedic role, like mm -hmm. really wonderful. But this story is so rich mm -hmm. in its sensibility of culture, especially in moving that culture in relationship to American culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crazy Rich Asians is about an American in Chinese culture. Right. This movie is about American culture and Chinese culture mm. along with that American. And what's funny is, right, they're both going back for a wedding. Right. Like there's a real strong parallel yeah. to me as I'm watching it. But I found that this really told the culture in a way that was richer, was okay. more full. Uh, and I thought too, the choice to make the other son in Japan yeah. and that lovely, like spectacular Chinese girl who can't understand, or Japanese, Japanese girl, girl right, who, yeah. she can't, can't understand, understand anyone. <laughs> like she doesn't understand what anyone's <laughs> saying. And, uh, and uh, both for comedy purposes and for pathos, it was just really great. And right. I thought, so I thought the cultural stuff was great. I thought the things in the background or the foreground, I thought the eating sequences were so interesting. This is gonna be, I can't wait to hear thunder, the sound. Yeah. yeah, this is gonna be good sound for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is just so much I loved about it. Um, I mean, this is going to be a movie that I buy when it uh, when it's released. I would say absolutely. Like, I think I think this is a movie I'm I'm going to purchase. Um, was there anything you didn't like that stands out to you right now that you're like needs to be fixed or like you wish the pacing was different or anything like that? You know, I will say that there was a moment when I was in the theater where I thought the movie felt long, right? And I, mm -hmm. I we said at the beginning it's one thirty-eight, right? And I was uh, like, this, uh, right. maybe maybe it's longer than that. Maybe I, I had that wrong. That doesn't mean I waned in interest it just means that i, that I you right. know i felt that maybe felt uh -huh. that at some point yeah. but i don't know i think it's really it's hard for me to find a thing i didn't like because i found that emotionally it was very moving there were so many Sorry, i'm getting rained on no, right. i'm gonna close my window, close my window. There's so much to think about, yeah. right? Yeah. There's so much to reflect on. There's so many images. There's that dream sequence. There's where she sees her grandfather and he mm -hmm. disappears in the smoke. There's mm -hmm. this this sequence with the birds, like the, the bird, the bird, in, bird in New so York, bird in China. to think yeah. about that I feel like if I say there's something I don't like right now, mm -hmm. I'm saying it's just something I haven't sufficiently thought about. Right, you haven't understood it completely, I, right? You missed I it. I thought the right. writing was so strong. Yeah. And I don't believe there's a lot of improv in this. Maybe there was, but I don't yeah, believe yeah. there is. Yeah. Um, I think that Billy is, her performance is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. In its beauty, uh, the, uh, what's the other, uh, Ha Han, Ha Han? The other boy. How How. The, her, how, how. Uh -huh. yeah. His performance yeah. is spectacular. <laughs> in a crazy role. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, um, yeah. For me, there's really, there's really nothing that uh, stands out to me as wrong or poorly done or anything like that. Um, it is an hour and forty minutes, so it's on the shorter side of a yep. film that's being made today. You don't see many films that are ninety minutes long, pretty much ninety-eight mm -hmm. minutes. Um, but it, it, it did feel long. Like you said, at one point, I was like, "This is a this is a long hour and forty minutes," mm -hmm. but 
purposefully. I think that's exactly know? right. The, the, the strain we're feeling of like, okay, when is this going to end? At one point, I thought it ended because right. it cut to a black screen. And then it, it cuts to something else and we continue. But I was okay with it ending at that black screen. Like I said, I literally, I nodded my head. I was like, okay, that's, right, this that's is how right. the movie ends. This, this is a thought. And I'm, right. I'm okay with that. And then, it, and then it continued for a little bit, a little bit longer. Um, and was still beautiful. Like the last moments, the, the uh -huh. last moments, which echo back to that earlier uh, morning routine sequence is just beautiful. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree, and, and that. But again, like I can't say it because I know it's deliberate, mm -hmm. and it wasn't careless. It didn't feel like it needed editing, and it's one of the things I said about the Tarantino film. Is I feel like he needs an editor sometimes. I right. feel like he's he could take ten minutes off that film, right. and it wouldn't hurt it. Right. It doesn't mean it's bad because of it. Yeah. This is movie art. I don't feel like that's the case. Yeah. Those, the editing was so strong. Oh, I really thought. good. There was um, and there was times where there was cuts at like. The most in the middle of a word, there would be a cut, right? Um, I'm not 100% sure what the motivation was behind that, other than maybe jarring the audience a little bit, or um, I don't know, just feeling like a care, like a, you're you're one of the characters and you just completely zone out and forget what's happening because you're stuck in thought about your grandmother dying. Like mm -hmm. I don't I don't know what the what the purpose was, but even even still, like there were times where people would leave the frame and it would hold there for a while. Yeah. Um, and then it would cut to the next thing, and it makes me think of um, there's one for, there's one shot in particular in, in um, Taxi Driver, where um, uh, De Niro's character's on the phone, right, and, and on on this payphone, uh, and the camera deliberately leaves him, right, and stares down this hallway like it doesn't want to look at whatever is being said on the phone. It doesn't even want to acknowledge what's happening over there. Um, and I felt that way in this movie, like. People are just, they're leaving frame like they don't even want to deal with what's happening right now. Um, the weirdness of this wedding that, was it actually a wedding? Did they actually get well, married? Well, it sure, Cause it, like, it seems like sure. it must be the case. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, but, but it doesn't matter to right. some extent. But yeah, I mean, they couldn't fake the wedding right. in front of the grandmother. Well, cause so. the, and the question was, do all of these people know right. that she's dying? Right. Um, and her dad said, maybe, uh, some of them do. I'm not sure right. how many of them do. So, you know, the, one of the sequences I loved in particular was, uh, when Billy is running to try and uh -huh. stop the, uh, medical results from yeah. getting gotten. And it's mm -hmm. like almost the, the story of the film where yeah. she starts out and, and she just runs out of energy yeah. and it gives us a sense like maybe this is going to snap now and it doesn't, mm -hmm. but that, that running out of energy, that exhaustion, right. really such a strong image. Yeah. And then for her to get there and the, you know, the, the gag plays through doubly, um, the, there's so much self-sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I thought that the, um, the, the, some of the sequences where we had camera movement, this is one of those perfect examples mm -hmm. of where the camera movement is integral and beautiful. Yeah. And the driving sequence, especially the driving past the old neighborhood, we mm -hmm. see that twice, just absolutely lovely. Yeah. And the song I, I thought the song choice that the hymn there was was i mean just moving the one one of the things uh about america which i also thought was really interesting was that story about the key right where they talk about mm. the church and oh, they went yeah. to the church yeah, and right. they said you can you know have the key mm -hmm. but that and then billy says that's not what america's all like because she knows that she hasn't really been given that key because the fellowship's not hers right um, and, uh, again, spoilers, boy, I could wreck everything. Um, 
but the and and so there's a little bit of like this is the difficulty with America. It's a land of opportunity, but maybe all the opportunities aren't there. And there's all of this being said, but but it doesn't become a political film. Right. It remains in this, yeah. this story of family, which yeah. is and really, really quite beautiful. Uh, this was apparently based on um, director uh, Lulu Wang, right? Mm -hmm. um, this was based on her life uh, and her, her grandmother's life. Uh, and we get that clip at the end, right. who I believe is her grandmother. Yeah. Um, and so that whole ha thing, right, was taken from her own grandmother, it seems. And so we, at the end of the film, and I wanted to talk about this for just a, a brief moment, um, uh, Billy's walking down the street in New York, surrounded by people who are living out their daily lives. She's still in this weird zone, yeah, construction right? workers yeah. and whatever, right? Life Billy's is kind of just keep, yep. keeps moving past her. Uh, and she stops... And she screams ha as if she's needing to release the toxic energy mm -hmm. that her grandmother told her about. And then it cuts to China and we hear another ha, mm -hmm. which I took as her grandmother mm -hmm. doing the same thing over there. And apparently that entire routine works for her because she's still Yeah, still there. Still right? living six years later. So and interesting, like the birds fly away. There's some mm -hmm. bird symbolism we're just gonna have to go work through. Like it just feels. I like took. A thing. I, I'm thinking about it now. Um, they were all black mm -hmm. crows or yeah. whatever they were. So this black toxin I took as yeah. leaving, leaving this 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 uh, living thing, this tree, mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's kind of how I took it uh, at least. But um, there's another moment I wanted to talk about too. And I, oh, it was um, when they were they were bringing all the food to the gravesite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that is I, that must be an actual cultural mm -hmm. thing. It, I didn't know any. I didn't know anything about thing. that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about that. But um, I thought it was really humorous and really. Uh, I don't like. It was just. It was kind of. It was beautiful to watch uh, because. I don't know. We. I. I. I don't have. I don't have many dead relatives. You know. Like <laughs> I just and so it. That's this, a this entire that is an amazing <laughs> sense. Just pause for a moment, folks. That's an amazing. I don't sense. have many dead relatives. Okay. Just my grandmother who passed away, right? But she's buried up in Connecticut. I'm down here in Pennsylvania. I don't get to go visit her grave. I never make it up to Connecticut. So, and I certainly wouldn't bring her a banana and leave it on her tombstone. So it's just interesting the different like that's one of the cultural things that I loved seeing. Uh, and then it follows with. Nine, I saying I I want to be cremated, spread my ashes right into the ocean, Don't and do they this. they tell her no. Yeah. What? <laughs> right. they're, they're trying to save her from this mindset, but then they don't necessarily respect her own wishes after her. Yeah, and there's death. a lot of humor in there, and yeah. a lot, but one of the things I want to say about that, and I, we're short on car time, yeah, there's two things it. I want to talk about. One is that, that in, in a way, it's talking about needing to hold on to your heredity. I just mm -hmm. come back from Italy, went there, right? I have Italian family. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife has Italian family there. Mm -hmm. You know, that idea of returning back to your roots yeah. um, and that you don't want your roots to be destroyed. Don't. Right. Don't forget me. Don't scatter me to the sea. Right. I want you to still be there. I want to be able to connect to this. It's so right. rich and meaningful. And Lulu Wang saying something about her own feelings. But I, I'm, we're going to run out of time. And I want to say this so we can say at least it. maybe touch it later. Yeah. Everyone in this movie is lying. And I just want to put that yeah. out there. Uh -huh. This movie isn't about a lie. There's a lie that's central, but all of the characters lie. They lie about their smoking. They lie mm -hmm. about not getting a fellowship. They lie about their drinking. Mm -hmm. They lie about their family relationships. Almost every character we're encountering has a lie that's trying to keep somebody else healthy. Yeah. Right? right. So the 
father stopped smoking. The grandfather stopped smoking, but he didn't stop smoking. Father stopped smoking. E each person. Yeah. And I thought it was masterful that we didn't get slammed over the head with that. Yeah. We right. Just, so subtly just tossed in there. Because I didn't pick up on everybody lying. Everyone's about their lying. Own thing. And yeah. I mean, the doctor lies. The English speaking right. doctor lies. Right. Over and over, people are well, lying. And, and the sister lies. The sister lies. You don't know what she's lying about specifically, but she says, don't worry about me. I'm fine. And I take that as like, no, she's no, not. No, she's not. Exactly. Does she right. also have. Yeah, well, Cancer and she certainly you know? was in with a doctor, and we, she was there, and maybe well, who knows. Mm. And there, this is this thing that we end up encountering. We don't even, you know, we don't fully understand anything because we're being lied to in a right. way. Right. But no matter what, as each person lies, we discover these lies are being told because she said, "What's the line that grandmother says? It's not what you do; it's how you do it." Right. And I don't buy that a hundred percent as a moral position. Mm -hmm. But it certainly is a position, I, I understand that. Yeah. Kindness, compassion, love, right. it really matters. Yeah, so flash flood warning. We do wow. have a flash flood. We may not make it through the show. So, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to hit this <laughs> hit X because we want to see where we really are. Well, why don't we do a quick rating? Yes, um, I'm throwing it way up. I'm throwing it really high, like 9 to 10 range. Like, yeah. I really love this movie. Um, and I'm, I'm still emotionally, like... The, uh, I can feel that one. Wow. The, the end. The end of this film, as the music is playing. Yeah. Uh, uh, there is. No, I was devastated. Like yeah. really, uh, I mean, devastated in the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. Not. Right. You weren't heartbroken. You were. Right. Yeah. But but devastated. Like you were so You're much. Really moved. moved. And yeah. in a in a place. And then of course AMC turned the lights on like, I immediately. And I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> I can't stand it. Did, but they didn't let me like mill in this weird. Oh, such a good place in, yeah. of where I was. I know. I yes, and it wasn't bad. Like it was a, like a really good like reflecting yeah. film. It made me realize like, I mean, there's multiple thoughts that cross my mind. I'm like, when I'm sitting on my deathbed, like, what am I gonna regret in life? What am I not gonna regret? What am I? What is? What am I only gonna care about? And that thing will probably end up being family and like who's right. with me in that place. Um, and hopefully that will be a very very long time for now. But it makes. I mean, it makes me think about. You it makes me think about my parents. It makes me think about Steph. It makes me, you know, think about my mom, right? Like, right. The, like all of these things all at yeah. once. Um, and how are you going to deal with that when that time comes? And it's not your culture, and that's yeah. what how we know the film is. It, I mean, the film is about culture and heredity, yeah. and it is about being Chinese. Right. But it's not. It's, it right. universalizes in a way that makes it really worthwhile for anyone to watch. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I'm in the same boat. This is like a nine or a ten for me. Yeah. Way up on the the scale. A movie I will watch again. Mm -hmm. A movie that I know will be a challenge. A movie I cannot wait for to watch with my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. You know? Likewise. Cool. Uh, we're gonna take a break. We will see you guys, or you'll see us really, and listen to us in just a few minutes when we return for our second half. And hopefully we won't pee in a car that's both steaming and hot oh, and covered man. in rain. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back. All right. Awesome. Turn this car on. You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Okay, we're back with our second uh, portion of this uh, podcast on the farewell. Um, now, I searched a little bit for things, and I only found interviews really with the director, Lulu Wong. Um, and just relating the movie to her family, what did you find? I want to know what you found first, and then I can... Uh... Yeah, so I found two different articles about Lulu Wang and, and the family issue, some really interesting information. Mm -hmm. And uh, an article about Aquafina um, talking about Crazy Rich Asians and cool. this film, uh, and the idea of traveling back to um, China. China. So, 
so yeah, so that it, it's a little bit of that. I looked at some review information too, so I have yeah. some frame of reference cool. from the outside. Yeah, maybe we can go through uh, Rotten Tomatoes or something and see yeah, some yeah, critic yeah. reviews and some audience reviews, see That's if great. we agree with them. Um, do you like this film as much or more or less than you did right after seeing so there's two ways to approach that. The first way is to say that as a film, yes, for sure I do. Mm-hmm. Finding out this backstory of the movie, which I really do like to go in without, yeah. makes it even more interesting yeah. a cinematic experience. And the story of the making of this film and how it developed was really interesting. What's what's funny to me is the uh, This American Life sequence that this was, section that this mm-hmm. was based on, I remember hearing now. Oh, gotcha. Now in okay, so you listen to it. I listen to This American Life, not religiously, mm-hmm. but with a regularity. And yeah. when this came out, it was one of the periods of times where I was right. listening to it. I remember the story now. Cool. And it's fascinating. Cool. Well, that's that's how apparently she found a producer. Was, mm-hmm. So somebody was listening. She searched for Chinese producers and American producers, and nobody wanted to, to take on her story. Um, and when they did, they wanted it to be either more Americanized or more... Uh, Chinese uh, based and uh, she stuck to her guns and said no to both ends and uh, wanted to make the film her way and that that meant that she wasn't going to get a producer and so she was stuck doing this NPR this American life uh, and somebody found her through there which I thought was really interesting and a great I mean she was encouraging people in this podcast that I listened to which is another NPR podcast and to be honest one of the most boring podcasts I've ever had the chance to listen to. Um, but every time uh, Lulu Wang spoke, I was really intrigued. And she just wanted to encourage young filmmakers to stick to the movie that you want to make and don't let other people dictate. And it might take a little bit longer for you to get to that point to be able to make the film. But in the end, it'll be worth it. And she wants she wants people to really let's let's let young filmmakers and just indie filmmakers in general no namers make these movies that they want to make without um, bombarding them with your input and trying to make things more political or Americanized or whatever whatever country you're in. Stop stop pushing your own agenda into their films. Yeah, and it feels like some of what they were trying to do with her was to make the film more. I'm not going to say commercially successful, yeah, yeah. but more palatable to some predetermined stereotypical. Right social construct we have in film so Mm -hmm. like something that resonated more with an audience that might like Grey's Anatomy yeah or a more traditional um, rom-com and she didn't want to do that and it makes a lot of sense in fact Mm -hmm. I would say that that's one of the reasons why the movie is so strong I think so yeah I mean originally from what I heard the producers wanted to make Billy uh, the one who was getting married because it would have raised the stakes because there you think about what are the stakes in this film and it's just I hope nobody spills the beans to grandma. Um, and that was, those were really the only stakes. Or maybe her her death in the middle of their visit was, exactly. was another stake. Or her death when they're away. Right. Um, but right. for but, us, these but, are stakes that we need to just be conscious are are actually legitimate stakes. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is there stakes in someone's real life just because we're watching a film doesn't mean that we kind of keep adding these layers of problems right like this is a big enough problem all on its own we don't need billy now uh marrying some random person that she's never met all to pretend uh, all, all to get over to china to see her grandmother when if the story is about the wedding the story is not about oh, about the grandmother the grandmother yeah. and and the relationship mm-hmm. and the relationship between the americanized yeah chinese and the chinese culture you end up 
turning into a movie that's about marriage culture, which right. to some extent is what Crazy Rich Asians does. Right. And Crazy Rich Asians moves towards that idea of the conflict between the individual people as opposed to the conflict between cultures. And that's, yeah. that is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's a vastly different thing right. and a bigger, mm-hmm. more dram- more melodramatically capable yeah, right, film. right. I'm glad that she stuck to her guns because we wouldn't have gotten the film that we we watched if she let the producers really influence her project. We wouldn't have gotten the amazing soundtrack. We wouldn't have gotten the just you know, there's a whole bunch of things in this film that we wouldn't have gotten if um, she kind of let people take over. over the, the other thing I would say that I learned from these stories, and I think this really works, is telling your story is important. Mm-hmm. You know, getting out on American this American life and telling the story yeah. is a crucial part. I would recommend for people to go hunt that segment down and watch it after they've watched the film and see how the two formats can be different. And so getting your story out, formalizing in a way will get people to pay attention in a way that the, you know, the 30 second elevator pitch is potentially damaging to your film because it leaves the empty spaces that a producer or someone could right. then fill with stuff that takes the film out right. of your own She essentially control. made a um, proof of concept in audio form, mm-hmm. right? That's what she did. She told this same story for the most part. Things changed. Uh, well, with real interviews, right? Yes, but, uh, you know, she made a proof of concept audio podcast rather than making a proof of concept short film, uh, which is the way that... Uh, the the main film that comes to mind, Whiplash, major proof of concept. They, I believe, premiered at Toronto International Film right. Festival. And based on that short film, uh, Damien Chazelle funded the project right. and got backers to to create Whiplash, which was obviously Oscar nominated and uh, a great a great movie. But uh, a proof of concept is important today for for producers to to come in, understand the project, and back the project and pay money. All these these films cost so much money today. But you're right. I think your story is important and there's thousands and thousands and thousands and millions of stories out there that need to be told and that can be told. Uh, and it's just finding the right way to share that story. And what's interesting to me too about that whole process is you get to work your story through once. Right. People really think you want to tell your story once and be done. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of times where I've finished a piece of theater and when I'm done the work, I'm like, oh, we could have done these six other things as yeah. I'm in performance. And so six years later, you remount that production. It's not at all the same production. It's right. both I've matured, my actors have matured, whatever, but ultimately there's things I learned from the process and the process of making the short film Mm -hmm. or the audio version of that piece can teach you what your real film can do or Mm -hmm. show you the pitfalls that you can avoid. Well, so it feels like a little bit like you're getting into transmedia a little bit of, of can, can the farewell be a great audio journey to listen to in the car? Can it be a, uh, an amazing film? We know that it is already an amazing film. Can it also be a novel? Like, Mm -hmm. would it work as a novel? Would it work as a, a graphic novel what would it what else would it work as um would it work as a series of blogs would it be good in in the written form right so um that's something that tarantino is really heavy on is he wants all of his scripts to read like a novel like a book so the prose is important to him uh and yeah so that yeah it's just how you're going to tell your story and and figuring out as you're telling your story once twice three times how this how, how you can get better at telling telling this story. Um, the most interesting thing that I found um, while listening to some of these podcasts and interviews um, was 
was that uh, casting was apparently really difficult. Yeah. Because the the Chinese actors, even though we've never heard of them, are working all of the time and their rates are incredibly high. I did not realize this, but uh, apparently Lulu Wang had to go to, um, don't know her name, not even gonna try and pronounce her name, but whoever played Nai Nai, the grandmother. Uh, apparently major actress over there working right. all of the time, actress. big deal. Never heard of her before, never seen her before this film. Uh, and she was too expensive. She was out of budget and she had to plead and beg with the woman who played Nai Nai to, uh, to be in the movie and shoot the film because she said, there's nobody else out there that I've found that can play my grandmother. You're playing my grandmother and that's it. You're it. And I like, can you just, can we work something out? And she did. And she replied with something along the lines of you are the same age as my, my grandchildren. And I would love to do this for you and, and, and be part of the film. Um, so back to telling stories, right? Like this, this grandmother, this older actress found value in Lulu Wang's story telling that story and being a part of this journey, uh, both for the American culture that it's showcasing, but also for the Chinese culture and merging yeah. those two cultures together, I think was um, probably a really significant um, thing for her to do. Like she really wanted to, to do that. Well, and she does it in her own hometown, right? She goes right. and shoots in her own hometown and, right. and you can sense, or the, the you know, her nine nice hometown, mm -hmm. the, the town of the story, right? Yeah. That the, the real story and the aunt is the real aunt. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's really, and, right. the, you know, the conversation of, I don't think you should play this part because you, it's too close to you. And she's like, no, it's therapy. It's the way you get out of it. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, that's what Wong has said about her journey making this film exactly. is that this allowed me to grieve and mourn with, with uh, my grandmother, allowed me to go back to China and spend more time with my grandmother. Uh, and she's still alive, which is stinking incredible. So. Being but, able to hide from, yeah. <laughs> hide this film from her is just amazing. Well, that's what's amazing to me is that you know they're she's on set because they're in the town and they're uh -huh. doing things to make sure she doesn't understand what the film's about. Yeah, and one of the things that's really interesting to me is that in by doing it in that hometown, and you know my wife has family in Italy, mm -hmm. right? And right. so when we go back there to the town near Milan, right. there's a character to that town that is very difficult to recreate, mm -hmm. but but you can recreate it physically, but the sensibility of the town yeah. is what you get from the location mm -hmm. work. And so all the people in this, this, these Chinese actors are all in a place that has resonance that, I'm, that supports the acting yeah. process. And I'm a yeah, big yeah, fan yeah. of, of you know, site-specific theater. I'm a big fan of site-specific film because it does, especially these small films, because they make right. a difference. It doesn't matter where we do the Avengers. You right. get what I mean? Right, right, right. right. Yeah. You can do the New York sequences of the Avengers in LA. It's whatever. an immersion for these actors, the process to, to feel like, you know, all of these Chinese actors, Asian actors, they're saying, I am back in, whether I was born there or not, back in the country that my parents came from or my grandparents came from. This is my culture. This is my place. And even though I haven't spent much time here, this is where this is where I come from. Generations of ancestors have come from this place. And so being able to go back to that location and be, you know, it's I mean, I think of when you were talking about this a second ago, I thought of uh, the issue with uh, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, the difference. And I for some reason, I decided to put on The Hobbit the other day because I felt the need for adventure, but I wasn't ready to sit down and watch Frodo. Or, or you put the Hobbit on because you the, felt the need for adventure. I put the Hobbit on because I felt the need. But a story that I've... Uh, uh, yeah, I know. I know, I know. Yeah, okay. But, uh, you know, I've seen Lord of the Rings a million times. So I was like, I need to... I You know, I just want to watch. Maybe The Hobbit wasn't as bad as it was. I made it halfway through and I was like, I need to shut this off. 
but I don't feel like I'm immersed in their world in The Hobbit in the same way that I was in uh, in Lord of the Rings because of the soundstage that they were shooting on for The Hobbit versus shooting actually in New Zealand on location in in most of those places. Uh, it was just it was just different for the audience, and I'm sure completely different for the actors. Yeah, Aquafina says that specifically, and I'm just going to look at this in the yeah, article real it. quick. Says that that uh, you know going going back to Singapore for Crazy Rich Asians just made Singapore a beautiful place, but going yeah. here to China is first of all they shot in a real wedding venue, right? Like real they, banquet hall, a real banquet yeah. hall that's there that would have a wedding just like this. They, the you know she's eating in restaurants that right. are the same restaurants as. Uh, the, you know, her mother, her grandmother, who lived close to this location. Is. Yeah. And that resonance gives things meaning from an actor standpoint. Yeah. There were a lot of people who were concerned, production people, about Aquafina taking the role. Hmm. And she wasn't going to be capable of, because of the, you know, the rap world, the, right. the, comedic, the comedic world, whatever, world. the r- more rough, uh, less subtle performances but the reality of this helps build that gives support to an actor and she i mean she's a good actor so we're not gonna yeah it gave her a foundation to to kind of build upon right right exactly so so that's i mean that this this location thing really mattered um yeah so i think that there's a resonance a reality to this that's really rich and i talked a little bit about in my second look my my second alternate angle at yeah. once upon a time in america that that movie <laughs> that, once upon a time in hollywood oh my goodness gracious i'm the leone thing's killing me um once upon a time in hollywood that those characters don't feel like they're in a real world right they feel like they're real the world feels real, but it isn't a real world. Here, we know it's a real world. Yeah, yeah, and when yeah. we watch the end and those birds fly away, they're real birds in a real place. It's not just metaphor. And all right. of that really is a powerful way of affecting us yeah. as people watching the yeah. film. Um, great. Would you still rate it as high as you rated it before? So I would rate it just as high as I rated it before. Yeah. It's a movie I'm going to watch. The f- I said to my wife, I can't wait till she sees it. And part of the reason I can't wait till she sees it is because I can't wait for her to see the resonance with going home to your family. Uh-huh. There, that's, a, that's a universal story right. that I'm excited for her to get to watch. We're yeah. probably not going to see it in the theater. Right. Um, we'll probably wait till it comes on some home form, whatever, yeah, whoever's going to take it yeah. uh, and watch it there. But still, there it, it's so strong yeah. that I really want her to see it. And I loved it. Yeah, I'm I, I'm right there with you. I'm still going to rate this nine to, nine to a 10, like so high uh i want to hop on to rotten tomatoes here uh critic, critics are getting like just in general people hate critics right people are just really not enjoying movie critics did the timer not start I, the timer did start i don't know what's going on Wait. we're just gonna cross our fingers uh anyway um critics are like looked at as people who are just annoying snobbish and they really aren't right ever right when in actuality critics are right a lot of the times and the audience is wrong um in this case <laughs> thankfully the critics and the audience score line up. Uh, they're 10% off. The critics gave this a 99%. It's 99% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience score is 89% fresh. Um, right. So it's very, very close. Well, and that makes some sense, right? There's people walking into the theater and they're struggling with a movie that's all in Cantonese. There's yeah, people yeah, walking yeah. in a the theater, they're struggling with pacing. Right. Who who think it's something else. And yeah. so you're going to get a lower audience score. A little, little bit lower, right. Because but there's, there's but what makes me different. happy is that the audience still loved this movie and is giving it its stamp of exactly. approval because what that does is it increases the amount of films like this that are going to get mm-hmm. get made because of the audience score. Like, forget the critics for a second. 
the audience liking this is such a huge deal. Well, this is making money, and mm-hmm. it's the you know the breakout indie hit of the year. Yeah, that that's great for this kind of movie, right? It, and it's not a small movie. No, it no. has st- it has some scale. It has a lot of characters. It's not three actors right. on the screen, but it is an intimate movie, and we and I think it's great that we'll see more of that. I do. I want to read. <laughs> One negative review. Great, great. I'm anxious okay. to hear that. Uh, this he gave it. <laughs> um, it I thought it was a one star at first, but it's actually a half star. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> it's great. it's it's point five stars out of five. Um, they said I knew the plot outline before going in, so it had nothing to do with my rating. This was one of the most tedious, uninspired movies I have ever seen. Everything was in slow motion, with depressing cello interludes interminable family meals more boring than most of mine as a child a good deal of wailing with a better writer something something memorable might have been done with this theme woof what a sl- wow well and like missing the mark over and over and over again completely missing the point of the film right completely missing what it's about um i want to read one more yeah i applaud i just responded i applaud the slow motion you know um, the slow motion only happened I believe uh, it's at that one end time. sequence. It, only one yeah, time. Yeah, she was walking through. She was center frame. She was walking through. Well, when the um, whole family walks at the end. Oh, you're it's right. In slow motion. You're right. But that's still not a movie of slow motion. And yeah. maybe it's about pace. Yeah, I yeah. thought the meals were actually really well shot. Yeah, I could watch them eat all day. Oh, uh, yeah. It's strange. Um, <laughs> uh, Al says uh, one out of five stars. Rotten ick. If you want to be depressed, go see this movie. Neither uplifting or lighthearted. Uh, let's pause here. Um, it's not uplifting or lighthearted necessarily, but it's about a grieving family dealing with the mother. But it does give you a feeling of inspiration and uh, empathy towards this family, but also towards your own family. Like it's it's a heavy film, but at the same time, uh, we didn't leave depressed. I don't. Well, think, and we're grounded know? in. Uh, Billy's journey and Billy's journey is one that is of empowerment that is of strength and to some great extent of this thing that that people miss like love right not lust not yeah yeah yeah. fake romance and infatuation like it's about real love but real love isn't necessarily inspiring or uplifting right it's powerful and fulfilling yeah yeah uh, it takes on different roles and emotions yeah. sometimes right yeah anyway to continue uh no review says 80 percent of the movie is subtitles so this guy sounds like he was upset about that having to read sense. uh you better be you better you're <laughs> you'd be better off pulling your finger and toenails off than seeing this film oh my god people gracious. must be nuts to rate this as high as it is as high as it is false advertising Disagree 100% on uh Yeah, and you know, I understand the challenge of going into a movie you don't know is subtitled. Yeah. But yeah. one of the things to be aware of is it's the challenge of the film. I wanted to talk about language, so let me do that while you're looking through. Yeah. You, you know, um, there's, a, yeah, there's a bit of conversation in the film about whether or not Billy is capable of... Um, of speaking Cantonese. Right, right, right. And for us, is it Cantonese or Mandarin? What are I, they? I, I think it's Cantonese, but I could be wrong. I wasn't sure. Uh, I read it in the review and I think it said Cantonese because it surprised me. Gotcha. But um, the, one of the things that, uh, you know, there's this conversation about her being a bad uh, 
speaker, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. We we don't know that. We're well, we're Americans. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she is a, a bad speaker. Her pronunciation's really bad, apparently. Right. Uh, and in some places, that's what makes it real and true. Yeah, yeah. You know, you learn a language artificially as a second generation, and then you mm-hmm. go back and and you know, my wife going back to speak in Italy. Everyone knows we're from America, as right. well as she may blow out some language. <laughs> you know, she 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 can speak things She's better but, than I ever could. Yeah, yeah. but but still, you still know. Based on the dialect that you're using. They know, right? Yeah. And they know that, you know, my mother-in-law who speaks relatively fluently is speaking a dialect and not, and learned from a parent. And it's very unique. And so one of the things about the movie is that language is an issue. Mm -hmm. And so for us as an audience member, especially English speaking audience member, being, confronting that language is part of what the movie is letting us experience. What does it mean to go back to a country to try and talk to people and deal with people whose language you don't understand? And we see three levels of that. Four levels, really. We see, you know, the native speakers, grandmom mm-hmm. and the aunt and the people around them. Right. We see the the Japanese family yeah. and the American family, both who've lost some measure, some measure of their language, those adults. Right. And then we see the kids, Billy and I'm going to say the uh, fiance, the, yeah, yeah. you know, who, yeah. you know, fiance speaks nothing. Right. And Billy oh, speaks, the yes, yeah, yeah. speaks roughly or how how speaks like Billy does. And there's yeah. these different places and we're in that so as you're reading the text you're reading a translation yeah. i'm confident we're reading a translation that's legitimate right it's not being subtitled you know like old kung fu films where they were subtitled no, by no. someone who didn't yeah, care yeah, yeah. it's subtitled by the director who wanted that specific language to come so, through the exactly the but yeah. that subtitling means we understand yeah. the difficulty of language we're in the same boat mm-hmm. as our main character we don't understand what's going yeah. on and there were moments where we didn't get a subtitle Right. Either because we should have learned the word where there was a gag. Yeah, I know. Or because right. it was an intimate moment uh-huh. that we didn't need to have, right? Right. And those things are really interesting to me. Yeah, because because words draw your eye from the emotion on screen to the word at the bottom. And so you miss out on the frame. Uh, and so if it wasn't on screen, it's because the, they wanted us to be looking at the frame rather than at the word, right? Or they expected us to learn the language because we're uh, there, and that's a commitment we need to make when we're going to return right. to these old worlds, right? And or, or whatever. I want to say old world, the the old world, the American new world, old mm-hmm. world idea. So th- that to me, the language portion of it's really interesting. And for someone like Aquafina, who comes from a very Americanized, urbanized language, right? Yeah. That's where the roots of of uh, her voice are. To have her speaking this other language is really fascinating for me right. as a viewer. And I can imagine frustrating for someone right. as well. Uh, and I heard that she didn't speak this language beforehand. She had to learn this language mm-hmm. for this film. Um, that's commitment right there as well. Uh, it's not an easy language. Not an easy language. I I wouldn't want to learn it. Um, all right. So I, I was going to maybe let's read some uh, critic reviews, but I don't think that's worth doing because they're all great. So yeah, uh, everybody's just praising the film. Uh, there's I'm scrolling through and it's all fresh, fresh, fresh. There's nothing rotten on there. Um, yeah, that's that's really all I have. Other than the last thing that I find interesting is that uh, the Chinese name for this movie is not the farewell. It's uh, don't tell her. Yeah, there you go. So. You have anything else to add? Well, um, uh, yeah, a couple of quick, just generalized thoughts. Go for it. You know, going to see a movie like this is important because it's small, intimate, needs to be made. We want to support that. But it also says something else to us. And you said something about the Chinese grandmother actress. There's a pile of actors in the world that we don't know. Yeah. And engaging in international cinema does two things. Uh, One, it lets you be good at subtitles. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I watch a lot of international film. Right. The subtitles don't bother me. I understand how to catch the frame and catch it the frame. It doesn't bother me at all. And I forget that mm-hmm. I forget that this movie was primarily in a Chinese language. I completely forget, like thinking back to the film, I'm remembering the film because I'm in, hearing them speak through their language, but it's translating into my ear in English because I'm reading the subtitles and forever when I remember this movie, it's going to be in English. Right. Right. And and so your experience is one of your own language in the international cinema. And that's yeah. great. And I think that we should remember to go do that, to practice that skill. Yeah. The person who's mad about the subtitles is a person who doesn't, isn't used to subtitles. Right. And the reason you want subtitles over the dub is because the dub is going to either be bothersome because it doesn't yeah. match mess or yeah. wildly misrepresentation of the language right. or it removes all the emotion. Like right. these actors are doing work. I want to see their work. Yeah. But the second thing is we have a lot of actors we need to go get to know. And, yeah. you know, it's important to go and hunt down when you see an actor in a film like this, their work and go watch some more of their work. Yeah. To first of all, see the quality of their acting. I've seen Aquafina now in two films, right? And right. I'm now a fan of that work. Uh, I, th- I think it's great to do that. And so, you know, the her mother is an Australian Chinese actor. So hmm. I, I want to go find out work from that actor and yeah. explore. And so that's like just a commissioning. Right, right, right. To the end of it this. It opens up a vast world for more films to watch, more people to watch. And it's uh, it makes me optimistic for the future of cinema, this movie. Yeah. Um, like, like we mentioned before, like this opens the door to so many more indie films. A24 that distributed this. Uh, this movie is just doing spectacular work finding films right, right and supporting filmmakers. I'm excited for The Lighthouse coming up later this year. Uh, that looks like it was shot on 16 millimeter mm-hmm. film in black and white, uh, starring uh, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. And I'm just like really excited for that and seeing Midsummer earlier. There's some. There that we go. is our time. We Good. have like three minutes, so let's yeah. let's wrap up in a second. But I'm excited for what they're doing and and for the future of cinema as we kind of battle between. The Hobbs and Shaw franchise movies of the world versus The Farewell that we're seeing less than a week later. Um, both movies uh, are successful movies. Uh, both movies have a very distinct audience, um, but one maybe should take priority now over the other. I think. I think the indie films need to. I think people are wanting them. I think people are wanting these original stories. They're getting tired of. I mean, there's, there's a reason that. The, there's movies that are failing. There's a reason that uh, Justice League and I was just going to say a whole bunch of DC films, but a whole bunch of DC films don't work. And it's it's because of story. So, yeah. And, and, you know, to say finally, like from my perspective, going and exploring these other films from a filmmaker perspective Mm -hmm. is about styles too. And when you get to watch other actors in different acting styles, you get to expand your capacity both to direct actors and to see different kinds of framing. Yeah. You know, Kurosawa changes the way we see films film right. when we see his work and uh and we and you know leone changes the way uh carantino sees film and and right. as a result we want those people's images their their vision from their culture to be in our eyes yeah and this is a really interesting way of blending that it's a good transitional right. element so in short you're saying go watch more movies whether it's international or uh or homemade, uh, not homemade, but Americanized yeah. Hollywood films, right? And, and to say, in addition, that Lulu Wang's film is a great bridge for that. Yeah. It's yeah, definitely it told it from an American stylistic perspective. Right. It is definitely an indie film, yeah, but it yeah, yeah. is it is entrenched in culture right. and different acting styles that really expand for us. Right. Certainly those Chinese actors, the Chinese homegrown actors are acting differently mm-hmm. and they're finding a bridge and it's a great way for us to get there. 
Great. Well, uh, let's wrap up here real yeah, quick. Uh, guys, thank you so much for, uh, for listening. Go. It's the hard uh, part. This is the hard part. Let's just say, find us on Twitter at PodFocus, Instagram at Racking Focus Podcast, Gmail. Please send us some emails. We would love to talk to you, communicate with you guys. Uh, send us questions. Send us your films. Send us what films we should watch at RackingFocusPod at gmail.com. And don't forget our Instagram at Racking Focus Podcast. Yep. There's little bits of uh, pictures. We're starting to do more work on our Instagram account. And it's an easy way to access us, especially from the lives we can post when we're getting ready to shoot. So you know what films we're reviewing that week and you can comment. Yep. And lastly, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We would love the five-star review, whether you loved us or hate us. Just leave that five star and you can maybe write in the comments why you hate us. Either way, thank you guys for watching and we'll catch you guys uh, next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus podcast.